Welcome to Between the Stacks, After Hours, a podcast made possible by Athens Limestone County Public Library. Each episode brings you a conversation, a cocktail, and some contemplation about a notable author and their work. So grab your favorite beverage and let's go Between the Stacks, After Hours. Hello, welcome to another episode of Between the Stacks After Hours. I am Jen Baxter, the Athens Limestone County Library Director, and I'm here with Anna Clem. Woo! All right, so thank you for joining us for our episode about Mark Manson. Mark Manson. And as you know, for every episode, we pick a cocktail to go with our author, and I'll let Anna talk to you about our cocktail today. Yeah, so today we're drinking a bourbon punch, because Mark Manson loves bourbon. That's his drink of choice. And reading Mark Manson is like getting punched in the face. (laughs) And this recipe is from Chris Pacinger. Shout out to Chris. Thank you for the recipe. Thank you, Chris. Chris actually said that he tried, what, over like 20, 30, I don't know, a lot of recipes and said this one was the best. And we know that because we went to his bourbon party. Yeah. A lot of people were partaking of this. and I might have had a few of them mm-hmm. because it is yes, delicious. It is. Oh, and he did give us permission to share it with the audience. Yes. So it is one part of your favorite bourbon. He prefers Old Forester. Mm. Um, I was able to finagle Woodford Reserve for my husband. Thank you, Andy. Um, and then one part of Sundrop. Mm, that is a North Alabama special yes. right there. Uh, one part unsweet tea and one part lemonade. Mm. And then a splash of orange juice, or as he would say, a squeeze of an orange. And she served it to us tonight with sliced oranges, and I squeezed the additional slice into the glass, and I'm very glad I did. Mm-hmm. It's very good. It is. Delicious. Cheers to Chris Pacinger's bourbon punch. Yes. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. All right. So, Mark Manson. I really was introduced to Mark Manson. I would say it was like everything is defined by COVID, right? So, <laughs> around like COVID time, as a self-professed empath, uh, this was exactly the book that I needed to read. He was really into philosophy mm-hmm. and has done a lot of study in philosophy and religion, but he delivers it differently than most people do. With a good punch to the face. A, a, a yeah. very good punch to the face. And some people call it like, um, he's a frat boy philosopher. Uh, I like it. Because yeah, he throws some F-bombs. For sure. He talks a little dirty, but he's um, very blunt and... He will stick it to you. Yeah, so with being blunt comes a lot of honesty, too. Yeah, and that, I think, honest. is what uh, is so attractive, especially to someone like me who likes people to shoot me straight, you mm-hmm. know. And I didn't think about it until just now, but I was actually introduced to him. And by the way, my mom, Bev, is visiting us today, and she's actually hanging out with us in the studio as we record. So if you hear additional laughing... <laughs> It's actually coming from old Beth. All right. <laughs> so I was going to say, Mom, do you remember in 2016, I think I went through a whole lot of trial and tribulation for the first time professionally in that library job I had. And it was really hard time for me. And I was doing some research on how do you like let go of something. And I ended up running across his book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. So that was about 2016, I think. And I was looking for some advice on that exactly. How do I not give an F, man? Right. And it was really helpful at the time. Yeah, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. 
It's going to be so hard. I know. That's um, really the name of his book. We didn't make that up. We, we cannot be up. held responsible yeah. for these titles. This and is after hours, by the way. Right. For reiteration. And the thing is, is a lot of people, I think, I was turned off by the name of the book just because I thought, okay, this is this is just a marketing ploy. Mm-hmm. Throw out an F-bomb and people are going to be fascinated, right? But it's so much more than that. You know, the subtle art of not giving an F, he compares good and bad values in three different ways. Evidence-based versus emotion-based values. Constructive versus destructive values. And controllable versus uncontrollable values. And, you know, bottom line, he just reasons why you should figure out what values you really care about and then F all the rest. Yeah. If it's not an effing yes, then it's an effing no. You know, and, then, and I needed to hear that yeah. because... I'm a yes woman. You are. Yeah. Sometimes I test this. I still battle it. (laughs) Ask Anna Clem to do anything and she'll tell you yes. Yes. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, but that wasn't his first book. Tell us about, a little bit about his first book. So, as I understand it, from what I've read about his history, um, you know, he was working like a typical nine to five and he read the book, The Four Hour Work Week, and he decided then he was like, screw this, I am going to figure out a way to earn a living and live my life. Mm -hmm. So he started a blog and it was really about dating. Yeah. And he started traveling the world and dating in different countries and seeing how the dynamics are different. And then he started writing about how to attract women, but not through pickup lines, but by actually having integrity and values and treating women right. And being honest. And being honest, yeah. yeah. I like that. I mean, and this man is brutally honest. Can you yes. imagine running into Mark Manson in a bar? How that process would go? You'd be like, wow, you look absolutely awful in that dress. And I'd be like, it's nice to meet you. But you know where this all started? <laughs> no. So he, he moved to Russia in 2011. And he started dating. And he was in like a coffee shop or a restaurant with a woman and he was talking to her, and all of a sudden, the woman said, what you said was stupid. <laughs> and he said, she just said it like it was just the next thing to say in conversation. You know, it wasn't like, you're stupid. It wasn't, there was no emotional yeah. attachment to it. It was just like, what you said was stupid. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. And so he, he started to respect their brutal honesty. He was like, and, you know, honestly, with their culture and with the uh, political environment they have, Honesty is really all they have. Yeah. So he was saying he just really appreciated it. And that's when he realized, you know, Westerners were coddled. Mm-hmm. And we coddle each other yeah. without knowing it. I'd say sometimes it's pretty apparent when people are mm-hmm. <clears throat> have been coddled. Okay, yeah. so his first book was titled Models, wow. Attract Women Through Honesty. And that came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. So you said that that book wasn't as big. Yeah, I don't think it got as good of a reception as his first subtle art book. So I was looking at his website, um, just kind of reviewing things, and he talks about that blog and how it was the impetus for the second book he wrote, which is mm-hmm. The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, and that actually turned out to be a bestseller. Mm-hmm. And then he actually ended up writing a third book, which came out three years ago in 2019 called Everything is F'd, a book about hope. Yes. Now, would you say it was really a book about hope? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, but in a different way than you think. And I'll say this, both of those books are worth a read, especially if you have a hard time figuring out your priority Mm -hmm. or being brutally honest to people or taking criticism. 
the first book was life changing for me. And I, I really wish it was a more poignant book mm-hmm. that was life changing to me, but it was Mark Manson. <laughs> and I think it's just the time of my life and the honesty, the, you know, the brutal honesty that he gave. But yeah, the second book, it is about hope. It's also about where to place your hope. And sometimes it's misplaced. Yeah, I could see that. So uh, when we first started talking about doing Mark Manson, mm-hmm. I checked out from my local public library the third book, Everything <laughs> is F. Everything is F. And I started it. And I was not really in a good mental headspace. And I know you warned me. You actually warned me that it got better towards the end of the book. The last four to five chapters are amazing. Now, the, the first part of the book is really just building up to what he's going to throw at you in the yeah. end. And so it, it's needed. So stick with it. It's- I had a hard time. And again, I wasn't in a good spot in my life. And so when I started listening to it, I was like, oh my gosh, this man, what is that where people have no like joy or, or yeah. like beliefs? What is that? Nihilism? Yeah. It's like super nihilistic, yeah. and I just was like, I can't hear this at this exact yeah. moment in my in my life. So I might go back to it. And here's the thing: I can listen to an audiobook if it's a fluff book, mm-hmm. but this one, purchase the book. There are so many golden nuggets in that yeah. book. Yeah, the first part of the book talks about how you know, even if you don't claim to be religious, we all have a religion. We yeah. all have something that we idolize, and he talks about how the problem with that is that everyone else and everything in your life becomes a means to an end mm-hmm. instead of the end. Expound on that. So he, he relates it to, um, say he wants to go get a burrito from Chipotle, and he really wants this burrito, right? Well, getting in his car, he doesn't want to, but he has to to go get this burrito. So that's the means to the end. Well, let's say that the end is that he wants to please his wife by going and getting them both a burrito. Well, then getting the burrito is not the end. It's the means. And he's like, and that's okay if I want to make my wife happy. That's a good thing to want to make my wife happy. But then he goes on to say, what if I wanted to make my wife happy so I'll get lucky later? <laughs> and he's like, then that's not really the value that needs to be there. That That's an end. And it's not really a good thing to be making, make my wife happy. That becomes a means and not a really good one. Yeah. So he just talks about how, you know, sometimes if our end game is not valuing humanity, there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. Our end should be to value others and value humanity and not just a means for something else. That's really interesting. For money, for yeah. power. Wow. So all that to say that you're going to feel more fulfilled if you're actually loving people mm-hmm. and finding a way to serve others. Yeah, it's really good. So he actually, uh, Mark Manson actually was an assistant or maybe a ghostwriter, wrote the book Will is defined as a biography slash autobiography. Mm-hmm. This book came out in November 2021. And we, we all saw the most recent Will Smith controversy. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting that Mark helped write this biography slash autobiography of Will Smith. And then that actually happened. Right. And what's, what's even more interesting about the book that he wrote and the timing of it before this controversy uh, with Oscars, um, this is what... The Will the Book website says about the book. Will Smith thought with good reason that he had won at life. Not only was his own success unparalleled, his whole family was at the pinnacle of the entertainment world. Only they didn't see it that way. They felt more like star performers in his circus, a seven days a week job that they had not signed up for. It turned out Will Smith's education wasn't nearly over. 
And it says this memoir is the product of a profound journey of self-knowledge and reckoning with all that your will can get you and all that it can leave behind. So on Mark's website, he has a whole article and it's titled Three Life Lessons I Learned from Will Smith. Mm. He says he did 12-hour days every day for nine months straight, uh, interviewed Will, got to know Will. Okay, so the three things that he learned about life from mm-hmm. writing about Will Smith, there's no such thing as just business. Everything is personal. For me, it's not actually winning unless people are happy that I'm winning. The last one is the trick is you bite off more than you can chew, then you chew it. Yeah, that's what I guess I take from it is if you commit to it, do it. Dwizzy wid, do what you say you will do. <laughs> Yeah, it's something we learned in my MPA program. Nice. It's a legitimate leadership tactic. And I agree with that. Yeah. So that's interesting that he wrote this book with Will about the self-awareness. And then soon after, the Oscar debacle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, maybe he just felt what he was feeling. Ooh. Uses his feeling brain. He uses feeling brain and not his logic brain. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he stood up for what he... It seems as though he obviously feels very responsible for the fact that his family is in the spotlight. Will was at the Oscars this year because he was nominated mm-hmm. for the movie King Richard. Okay. Just from reading about this memoir that he and Mark wrote together, mm-hmm. it seems as though a lot of it is about the fact that he feels responsible for his family being drug through the entertainment world. In the, in okay, the but Jada was already famous, though. True that, true yeah. that. And then, like, also they capitalized on their children. They allowed their children to be in the entertainment true, industry true. at a very young age. Yes, yeah. it was his choice. Yeah. It was his choice, but maybe now he's more regretful of that. I mean, maybe. I had no idea he co-wrote that book. Good I'd be interested to see the process and if, if it was really in Will's personal voice or if it was more of a therapeutic... And on Mark's website, it says it was 2018, and he was actually writing three books at the same time. The Everything is Effed book, which mm-hmm. we've talked about. Uh, the Audible original Love is Not Enough, which I haven't actually heard of yet. Mm-hmm. And doing research and interviews for Will's book, he said it was 12-hour days every day for nine months straight. There goes that four-hour work week. <laughs> so, a quote from Will. The trick is you bite off more than you can chew, and then you still chew it. Your mind always believes it can do less than it actually can. It will tell you it's too much to stop, to take a break, to cancel this or that, but your mind will lie to you to keep it small. Mm. Mm. To kind of take his words and rearrange them, he's like, hey, you feel like you have limitations? That's false. Right. Just keep going. I mean, if anybody can give us advice on that, I guess it's Will Smith. True that, So another thing that made us decide to talk a little bit about Mark Manson tonight is that we were actually both getting his newsletters into our inboxes. It's called the Mind F Monday. (laughs) And it's great. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's like a bit of wisdom in your inbox every Monday. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at his website right now. Um, The name of his website is Life Advice That Doesn't Suck. And so... And again, he has put out so much. He's done a ton of articles. He actually has something called Best Articles. And why I like this, especially if you're just trying to get familiar with Mark Manson, um, 20 articles that can change your life, but he actually puts them in order by category. He does his top four articles in five different categories, and they are Understand Your Mind, Emotional Intelligence, Life Purpose, Healthy Relationships, and Mm Self-Discipline. So this is a really good way if you want to just kind of sample some of his thought process Mm -hmm. and the way he writes and thinks and shares. This is a great way to dive into it a little bit. 
um, another thing that I did to prepare for this, because you're the book reader. Um, <laughs> I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. He has a lot of videos on YouTube as well. Of course, there are videos where he does speeches and talks, yeah. but there's a lot of really small vignettes where he just drops a little wisdom bomb and you don't have to spend too much time. You're like, oh, that was really cool. Yeah. So he also, in Everything is F, the book, one thing that really stuck out to me too, that really touched me, was he talked about the burning monk. The um, guy who lit himself on fire? Yes. Yeah. Quang Duck. It was really an act of defiance and of protest mm -hmm. with the corrupt government. There was oppression on the Buddhists in Vietnam. And he was actually like a master of meditation. Wow. And so much so that he had created such self-control over mm -hmm. himself. So during the act of protest, he quietly and calmly walked out, sat on a pillow. He meditated, said prayers. Another monk poured gasoline all, all over him, and then he lit a match and lit himself on fire. And they said the most poignant thing and the most moving thing about the whole experience, and everyone that was watching, mm -hmm. said that he did not move a muscle. Wow. And can you imagine the pain, right? And so Mark Manson relates this to the fact that pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Wow. And so he was able to have so much self-control that he... He was probably in a, an immense amount of pain, but he had so much self-control that he was choosing not to suffer. Mm -hmm. You know, most people would scream out in pain. Yeah. He did not until he just all of a sudden his body collapsed. And that was just so moving to me to think, you know, we we are going to be hurt. Yeah. I mean, that, he, he says that pain is inevitable, mm -hmm. but it's your choice whether you use it for good and for a growing moment mm -hmm. or whether you choose to just suffer. Yeah. And a lot I of times, it. one thing that kind of drives me nuts is people who choose, because it is a choice, mm -hmm. choose to stay stuck in that painful moment in their life, even when it's years past, yeah. you know, and they're still talking about it and still living with that at the forefront. Because as the listener, you know, you want to say at some point, dude, move on. Or figure out how to learn from this yeah. and use it for the betterment of yeah. your own life and others. Right. Yeah. That, that's true. It's Oof. really good. Yeah. One of the videos I watched, he was talking about life purpose. And basically, he says the idea of finding your specific purpose is overhyped. Like, okay, you want to find your purpose? Well, get out there and do something because whatever you're doing, do it well, and you're going to find some satisfaction. Right. In it. There isn't one specific thing that you have to find. Right. And that we're all and convinced. it changes throughout your life. Exactly. Well, we change so much. Yes. And that's okay. That's normal. So, of course, your purpose may change alongside mm -hmm. that. And again, you know, it really, as we're talking about it out loud, it goes back to that choice where if you're in your moment where you are and you are focusing on what you're doing at the time and you're finding fulfillment in that, then that could be your purpose or it could not be. Or It's like the falsehood of finding the one. There is no one purpose right. for yourself. Maybe our entire purpose is to be good at what we're doing at the moment and find that contentment. When I think everything that you are in and you feel fulfilled by, it will lead to something else. And then you'll look back and say, well, I know why I was there in my life because it led to the next step. Yep. And one of my favorite quotes someone used to always say to me is sprout where you're planted because, you know, we really can't be anywhere else except exactly where we are. That's right. So we often talk about emotional intelligence when mm -hmm. we're in this room, and I'm just going to name the top four articles under the topic of emotional intelligence. The first is F your feelings. The best starting place to understand your emotions and your relationship to them. So, and I think, again, he talks a lot about how feelings are just an indicator. They're not everything. Yeah, and actually everything is F mm -hmm. is really all about 
your feeling brain and your thinking brain and how they're both important. We have to learn how, and that's self-control is learning how to have those meet up in the middle. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because you and I had a specific conversation where I was talking about Mm -hmm. something to you before all this. And I said, I have like an emotional brain Mm -hmm. and an emotional reaction. And I can tell Mm -hmm. because there is a logical side to me and there's separate entities and they don't always jive. Yeah. And side note, it's funny. In Everything is Effed, he talks about how there was a time in the in early in the 19th century where women did not smoke. Wow. So it was a gentleman's thing. It was like, women, uh-huh. don't you do that. It's just for men, right? You and, can't vote or smoke. But then they hired this, mar- I cannot quote who the marketing person was that they hired, the Tobacco okay. Association. And he realized that people make purchases and do things based off of emotion. And then he also realized that... By women not smoking, you were missing out on a whole demographic that you weren't selling to. Yeah. So at the Macy's Day Parade, he had a bunch of women who were in the parade, and at one point, he had them all pull out cigarettes and look glamorous while smoking their cigarettes. And he said, all of a sudden, sales skyrocketed. Wow. It's talking about how marketing now pinpoints and focuses on our feelings. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I read, I mean, to get even further off track here. We are just these guinea pigs out here living our lives, being completely marketed to in every, from our phones, every angle, you know. I read this whole article. It was Heineken. So it's a beer brand. And the whole article I read, they spent hundreds of millions of dollars to analyze and do market research on the way that the E in the Heineken font made people feel emotionally. And like they seriously, they talked about how the the uplift of the end of the E emulates a happy face, which generates a happy feeling whenever you look at Heineken. So I always tell people that story when I say, if you don't think that you're being completely like exploited, (laughs) think again, Google it. Some may think that's a load of crap. In the spirit of today's Mark Manson and the subtle art not giving an F, J-F-G-I, just effing Google it, man. I got that from a friend. I like it. (laughs) Okay, so the second article under emotional intelligence, the three levels of self-awareness. We also talk about self-awareness a lot. Mm -hmm. Are you self-aware? Are you sure? Because you're probably not as self-aware as you think you are. Yeah, and the beautiful thing is Jen will ask me that. (laughs) What do I ask? You ask me pointed questions Mm -hmm. to make me be aware of where my mind is traveling. Yeah, because I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure about this? Mm -hmm. Think that through. Yeah, Yeah, but you do that to me too. Yeah. But the last time you tried to do that, when you did that, I was like, yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) And then two weeks later, I was like, remember that one time I did that thing? Oh. And it was right. (laughs) You always are. (laughs) Okay, the third one. Why the best things in life are backwards. There's an odd tendency in our psychology where the more we desire something, the harder it is to get. Yes. Yeah. You know. And the more we want. Uh-huh. Even if we do get Oof. it, the more we want. No, it's like you get obsessed with something and you honestly, you kind of turn into someone else besides yourself because you're so hyper-focused and all of your energy is on this thing. Like if you want it so much and you're expending all of your time and energy and focus, you're doing it in overkill. Yeah. Yeah, I totally watched a video about that from him last week. He said, the more you want it, the more you're not going to get it. So chill out and back That's off. That's what you needed to hear then. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the fourth one, the fourth and final best article about emotional intelligence from Mark Manson, The Disease of More. 
hedonic treadmills, baselines of happiness, constant dissatisfaction. It's the disease of more, and we're mm-hmm. all afflicted. Yes, and listen. And, mo money, mo problems, baby. And and also, I've got to bring this up now because another one of those punch-you-in-your-face moments mm-hmm. in the Everything is F book is when he talks about the blue dot effect. And I told you Yeah, you, you did. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating because they had all these people come and do this experiment. So what it was was they, they put everybody in front of a, a computer screen, and they had a bunch of blue dots on the screen. And they told the people, just press when you see a blue dot. So when the screen comes up, press all the blue dots, right? So in the beginning, they they would give them a lot of blue dots. It was a majority of blue dots, right? And then they would go on to different screens. And as they went on, there were less and less blue dots. And they would add in purple and different shades of purple. And people kept pressing the same amount of blue dots that they saw in the first screen. And then they moved on to faces. And they would they would have a screen of... Threatening faces, neutral faces, and non-threatening faces. And in the beginning, they put more threatening faces on the screen. And people were very good at pointing them out at that point and deciphering between the the three. Then they moved on and they would deliver less threatening faces. But people kept choosing the same amount as they did the first time. They had a hard time deciphering between the threatening and the non-threatening faces. People kept expecting to see the same amount they saw in the beginning. So it's kind of like us. They, they realize that as we're going through life, we expect mm-hmm. to see an amount of negativity or evil or unethical mm-hmm. um, events in our lives, even when they're not there. And so, you know, we are really are. Our life today is so much easier than it was back when um, we didn't have washing machines. Yeah, I mean... Well, I think that depends. I think it depends because of the, like, if you say you're raised in abject poverty Mm -hmm. and you're totally abused, you know, those people have a ton of trials and tribulations. And it would be really difficult to grow up. You know, as you get older, you have autonomy and you're not under the thumb of this life that you were raised in. But I could see how it would take a lot of time to gain trust in the world Mm -hmm. because of the way you were raised. Right. It'd be harder to decipher. Yeah, so he relates it to the fact that, you know, no matter how wonderful our life is, if we finally get to that point, we're still going to nitpick and find something. Because the smallest things we will find fault in. Mm -hmm. Actually, my mom and I were having this conversation today about how sometimes maybe the easier life becomes, you know, they invented the washing machine. They invented electricity. We have... Tractors that will go by themselves. We don't have to have like a horse and buggy plowing or whatever anymore. As our labor and toil requirements go down, we're almost trying to find ways to fill that human need Mm -hmm. to have something to overcome. Some sort of tribulation. Yeah, because I think this is what we were talking about. I think humans are built that way. Mm -hmm. You know, back in, let's say when my grandmother was little, hard labor was a huge part of their life. And they didn't really have time to... For the drama. Exactly. But yeah. now we have nothing but time for drama. Yeah, because we don't know how to be content. Yeah. I think earlier my mom said that we talked about what is happiness. Is that contentment? Is it the same? And I think I actually listened to something by Mark Manson about that as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not sure where I stand on that yet. I think happiness fluctuates, but there's an underlying current Let's say you have an underlying current of contentment. Well, you're going to always have those trials and tribulations yeah. and ups and downs and happiness comes and goes. But what's your underlying condition? Right. Speaking of a punch in the face, I think I'm halfway through my second drink and I'm like, <clears throat> wow. Oh, I see this article. 
It literally says F yes or no when it comes to choosing your commitments. If it's not an F yes, then it should be a no. I like this. Uh, so I've moved on to healthy relationships and his four articles under healthy relationships. I, I like the relationship aspect because we talk about that a lot too, mm-hmm. because you have a relationship with your significant other, but you have a relationship with your family, with your children, with your Friends. coworkers. Yeah. So um, I think it's really useful. So the first article is love is not enough. Mm-hmm. We all worship love in our culture, which we have talked about before. Oh, yeah. Gosh. But the truth is that a healthy relationship needs far more than just love. Mm -hmm. That would be an article I would read. Six, toxic relationship habits most people think are normal. It's crazy how many effed up things pass in relationships as, quote, normal, end quote. Don't be one of those people. Yeah, he actually, um, I was just going back through his Instagram. His Instagram is fantastic. Here's a quote regarding relationships that he said. I'm I'm interested to see what you say about it. (laughs) You must love someone without expecting anything in return. Otherwise, it's not truly love. You must respect someone without expecting anything in return. Otherwise, you don't truly respect him. You must speak honestly without expecting a pat on the back or a high five or a gold star next to your name. Otherwise, you aren't truly being honest. Yeah, 100%. And that goes with the whole ends and means. Yeah, What's your end game? Yeah. So Gabby Bernstein is one of my favorite spiritual gurus is what she would call herself, I guess. Um, and she had a, a quote the other day that I shared on my Facebook, which I really enjoyed. And it was, I think to really have a true friend, you have to be a true friend. Mm-hmm. To really be loved, you have to really love. You know, just the same line of thinking. And um, I think, too, like my mom raised me, and she always said this, and I actually say it all the time. If you lend somebody something, don't expect it back. Because if you make a commitment and a choice to give, Mm -hmm. then you're giving out of your heart. And if you have that expectation of return, then you're already setting everybody up for failure. Oh, wow. So you still have to give your addresses back. (laughs) (laughs) Hook me up with some ice. Okay, and his last article under healthy relationships, How to Let Go. I need to reread that one. A deep and psychological look at what happens when you lose someone or a relationship that's important to you with advice on how to cope. Bookmark. I like it. And you know, Mark Manson, I'm pretty sure he's probably atheist, but he does base a lot of his beliefs. He feels very strongly about Buddhism. And so he gleans a lot of life lessons and values from mm-hmm. Buddhism. And also in the second book, Everything is F, he's talking about how there's a lot of values that religion can glean from the secular world in that we should be living in this world like it's our own personal heaven in a way that we treat others mm-hmm. and you know, in a way, this world should be our end because of the way we treat others. Right. And not just a means. Well, at the end of the day. To, to, to gain a reward. Right. And some religions do teach that. But I do think that at the heart of it, a lot of religions well, yeah. get it wrong in the fact that we, we do well, end that, up treating humanity that way. That would be, it's really, again, it goes back to human nature. Humans have so much tendency to judge and to hold their value system higher over others but holier than thou really mentality is well this is what i believe and if you don't believe what i believe then clearly you're gonna go straight to aging double hockey sticks yeah (laughs) you know um so mark manson so he is married now he was like a self-professed bachelor and he never thought he would get married but he had a blog about how to pick up women yeah and he met his wife Fernanda in a nightclub in Brazil 
It says here, although he had previously built a career about being a pickup artist, he said he didn't use a creative pickup line to approach Fernanda. It was just, hi, I'm Mark. And uh-huh. our relationship began. That's sweet. Yeah. So he was a pickup artist, but then he talked about how to pick women up through honesty. And there's yeah. nothing more honest than, hi, I'm Mark. That's true. <laughs> he took his own advice. Oh, and he landed Fernanda. I'm sure mm-hmm. she's a hottie if she's from Brazil. She must be. So She's probably a good dancer. <laughs> those hips don't lie. <laughs> so, uh, so this, here it says, after graduating from Boston University, Mark found himself aimless and recovering from a breakup. Mm-hmm. He soon landed his first professional job, but he described it as a nightmarish, cubicle abyss type mm. job. Ugh. Quickly realized he needed to go in a different direction. And decided to leave the job after only two months and focus on some new online business ideas with friends. Talk about some guts. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess if you're truly miserable in something, yeah. take the leap. And so then he started a blog offering dating advice. And he spent the next seven years traveling around the world to over 60 countries. Well, delivering dating and relationship advice through his blog and offering personal How coaching. How you get dating advice from a bachelor? I know, right? <laughs> Unless that's your end is just to date around. Whatever. I mean, I don't know. I don't. He's not giving marriage advice, Jen. He's giving dating advice. How to be a player, <laughs> Mark Manson, wingman for hire. <laughs> okay, so we talked about Alain de Botton. He started the School of Life, and actually, I got really excited when I got this newsletter from Mark about how he was starting the Subtle Art School. Mm-hmm. Did it's, you sign up? I haven't. I think you have to pay for it. But do read his books. Yeah, I do, and they're free at your local public library. So with the Subtle Art School, you get six core courses, monthly live webinars, three bonus courses, exclusive bonus content, and more. But (laughs) I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I'm sorry if this sounds rude, but I do not find him attractive. I don't know if you've seen much of him. Yes, I saw a picture of him. So, okay, again, you're going to create a blog about dating advice. So, number one, you're a a lifelong bachelor, except until he met Fernanda, Mm -hmm. and he's like, unattractive he can't help that maybe that's why he was like so successful because they're like if this dude can pull some chicks true it's only 150 dollars a year to join the subtle art school or 20 bucks a month Hmm. i'm good i spend that on shoes (laughs) hey how do i pull in my dudes check out these vejas (laughs) i don't invest in the subtle art school i invest in these horribly ugly (laughs) reebok-esque shoes no wonder i'm single (laughs) How much for those shoes? I'm not telling you. <laughs> in 10 years, I'm going to look back at photos of myself wearing these shoes and going, God, what was that thing? No, in 10 years, you'll say, oh, that fits feet. <laughs> Who cares? That's what Bev, good old Bev, was saying earlier in the car today. She's like, wait till you get my age. She's like, I throw my hair up in a ponytail and walk out the door because I don't care. Spoken from the words of a woman who's been married for a million years, though. As a single lady, I can't walk out the house like that. That's true. Because when I'm attractive, I'm still not attracting. Okay? <laughs> Maybe I should try Bev's method. I don't know. Anyway, like Joey, he Bye. appreciates my honoriness. Ar- ornery. Mm. Orneriness. Mm-hmm. I'll get 10 points nice. for Gryffindor. <laughs> orneriness. Okay, I'm Googling that. This just went awry. <laughs> orneriness to talk about the quality of being stubborn. Or an ornery. <laughs> These drinks this. are so strong. They are super strong. I was like, this tastes like water. Now I'm like, ah, orneriness. Oh. oh, so, okay. Trying to get this train back on the track. Derailed. 
Oh my god, I can't believe there's only been one train. What's up with tonight? This is rare. They found a dead woman on top of the damn train they two did. months ago. They did. How'd she get up there? Was she killed They herself? think that she jumped off in Nashville and then yeah. her dead body rode the train down here. I guarantee you she wasn't trying to come to Athens, Alabama. <laughs> you never know. She died. She's like, oh, God, Athens. I'm dying to get that. Way to go, Mom. That's our new slogan for the city. Dying to get to Athens. <laughs> oh, my word. Well, I tried. I'm, I'm going to try one more time. Okay. Back on track. Sorry, we're done. It's the bourbon. <laughs> so, um... Another thing from the subtle art of not giving it up that really, really spoke to me, he talked about how you should only allow so many people in your life to really affect you and let their opinions yeah. matter in your life. Yeah. And he, he said, sit down and write out, you know, make a list and then mark off two thirds of those mm-hmm. and keep only like four or five. Yeah. And they may not be your parents. Mm-hmm. They may not be your siblings. Mm-hmm. may not be your best friend. But you have to figure out who you're going to let affect your life and the opinion matter mm-hmm. and then screw all the rest. Yeah. I naturally want to please. I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. I want to please everyone. And I found out that when I whittled that down, it was such a relief. It was um, so liberating to be able to say, hey, this is one person that I'm not going to let affect my mental well-being or my emotional well-being. Yeah. That's why God put us together because I have absolutely zero problem with telling people no. And I have all the problems letting people know. I think um, I'll just read a couple of the titles of the videos that he has posted. Like when I get ready in the morning for work, I want to listen to a little tiny bit of advice for the day. And they're relatively short, most of them. And it's just a perfect moment to kind of set the tone of the day. So vulnerability and avoiding manipulative relationships. How to deal with any life problem. How to change your thoughts and beliefs. Why the best things in life are all backwards. And that was mm-hmm. one of the ones I'd watched. Huh. Be with someone who is excited to be with you, too. Simple. Ooh. Grow from your pain, which you talked a little bit about. Yeah. Read more books, okay, at your local public library. Paradox, befriend your demons, and stop trying to be perfect. I think a lot of what he talks about hits so many of us. Because, yeah. again, we're just humans, and we're just trying to make it, and we're just trying to get, I don't know, maybe find contentment. Yeah. And he provides a lot of those tools. How and practical. Yeah, very, it's very exactly. Practical. And like everything's cool, everything's yeah. fine. Nobody's perfect. You Nothing's don't have to perfect. think too much about it. And that's where I come in. I'm, I'm over analytical. Oh, me too. The way he speaks is is good for me because no like, nonsense. Stop overthinking yeah. it. Um, here's a quote that I think speaks to vulnerabilities and in relationships. And it says, being open with your insecurities paradoxically mm. makes you more confident and charismatic around others. The pain of honest confrontation is what generates the greatest trust and respect mm-hmm. in your relationships. Yeah. Suffering through your fears and anxieties is what allows you to build courage and perseverance. And I think we've talked, too, before about the idea of vulnerability leads to the ability to become closer to somebody. Yeah, because trust. you're opening up and you're saying, look, I'm not perfect yeah. by any means whatsoever. And these are the reasons why. Right. Because it makes it so much more realistic. And authentic. You're yeah. just authentically yourself. And I think that enables the other person to say, "Woof, phew, they're normal like right. me. I think there are a lot of people in the world who don't do that, and mm-hmm. it's a disservice to everyone and it, else. And, and how hard is it to become close with them? It's yeah, very hard. I know. Well, you can feel it. Yeah. You know, you can feel it. Um, authenticity. Yeah. 100%. So, to wrap this up, um, I'm going to share a quote from Mark's third book, Everything mm-hmm. is Effed. 
he does a good job of wrapping up everything that he shared. So instead of looking for hope, try this. Don't hope. Don't despair either. In fact, don't deign to believe you know anything. It's that assumption of knowing such blind, fervent, emotional certainty that gets us into these kinds of pickles in the first place. Don't hope for better, just be better. Be something better. Be more compassionate, more resilient, more humble, more disciplined. Just be a better human. I love it. Don't sit back and mire over things. Mm -hmm. If you want to be something, do it. Live it. Take action. You can't change the past. You don't know the future. All you have is the current moment. And if you want to do something differently, then take the actions to do it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Between the Stacks After Hours. And join us next time as we discuss someone else we haven't decided yet. But it'll be good. I it promise. will be so good. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. And finally, to Mark Manson. <laughs>